Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Hey Kerwin, where you have the questions and I give the answers. Question number one, from Jeffrey Swanton on YouTube. How do you go about learning new things? Oh. How do I go about learning? Well, first of all, I only really, uh, I like to learn things that I'm interested in. Um, I don't like to learn things just for the sake of learning, because for me, I don't have enough time just to do things for the sake of doing things. Uh, my time is very structured, uh, very ordered, and very rare, like scarce. Not rare, scarce. Like, I don't have a lot of time. I have the same 24 hours that you have, the same 24 hours that everyone has, but I just, I use my time very differently. I'm very efficient with my time and how I use it. So for me, the learning process is really by requirement of interest. You know, if I'm interested in, you know, like recently I was interested in going on, you know, learning some, um, some special weapons and tactics training. So I flew to uh, Ukraine, spent 14 and a half days over there training with, you know, the special forces from US, UK, and um, also from Ukraine. So for me, you know, I like, I prefer to do immersion learning. So if I'm going to learn something, I want to immerse myself in it as much as possible. Like when I skydived, like when I was learning how to skydive, I completely immersed myself in it, did 200 skydives in the first 12 months. Uh, so my learning style is probably what I'd classify as obsessive. Like when I want to learn something, I just, I'm all in. I'm, but I'm just that kind of personality. You know, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, if I want to wear a green hat, damn it, I'm going to wear a green hat every day. Um, <laughs> did you hear something? That's just how I am. But for me, um, you know, I don't think mastery is going to be achieved in 20 hours, but I certainly think it's a great introduction to, to try something to see if it's something you're interested in. But for me, you know, I'm really now learning things that, you know, apply to the things that I'm interested in, but also the things that um, give me more from life. So the Ukraine thing, you know, although a lot of people think oh, I was just going over there playing with guns that go bang, you know, for me it was really about learning how to condition myself to a level of stress that enabled me to deal with situations, circumstances and things and in levels of intensity and work ethic that most people would crumble under. So, you know, for me, although I got to play with a lot of guns, which is great, but I came back and my software has literally been upgraded to be able to do more, be more and experience high levels of in intensity for extended periods of time, but not actually crumble in the process. So uh, yeah, that's just my view on learning. I think everyone should learn something because it's actually good for the brain. Three things that are good for your neurology to keep the neurons healthy. Uh, number one is, is oxygen, so exercise is really good. Uh, number two is social interaction, which is really important. The more we socially interact, the more synapses and neurons that are actually connected and the healthier our brain stays. Uh, and the third one is learning. So you know, if we're if we're you know getting lots of lots of oxygen to the brain, if we are, you know, if we are meeting new people on a regular basis or socialising on a regular basis, and we're learning new things, that is actually the three things that are most optimal to you know starve off everything from you know age-related decline, illnesses, but also everything from Parkinson's to Alzheimer's as well, mm. early onset early onset Alzheimer's and, and the like. So you know, I think learning is actually a really important process, not just so that we can learn new skills, but also that we can keep our brain healthy and a healthy brain. He's a healthy brain. So would you rather know a lot about a little or a little about a lot? Ooh, I'd rather know a lot about a little. Yeah, I'd rather be a specialist Sweet. than a generalist. Jack of all trades, master of none. To actually ask that, I would like, I like to know a lot about a lot, if I'm really honest. Like, my interests are really quite diverse. I mean, everything from, you know, business, performance, health, you know, and so, yeah, I like to know a lot about a lot. So I'm going to change that answer. I like to know a lot about a lot. James Petty, how do you get yourself over your unmotivated moments and your moments with high anxiety? Well, they're two different but very similar moments. So for, we'll talk about unmotivated. For me, I don't really have an issue with motivation anymore, but it hasn't always been that way. Like I've worked uh, very hard to develop a very strong neurology that I'm constantly reinforcing that enables me to activate high levels of interest and in performance, you know, almost on will. 
Um, but that is by design, you know, and I think a lot of people, you know, they're looking for a magic pill, they're looking for something that will motivate them and what we need to understand, motivation is a neurology and it really is a series of neurons that have been connected together in a specific way, they get fired on a regular basis that, you know, enable us to perform at a really high level. So for me, you know, it's about looking at why I do what I do. My, my, my motivation, my, neuro, my neurology around my motivation is really strongly connected to why I do what I do. And I'm very, you know, I'm very passionate, I'm very inspired. So in the face of, you know, some of the most incredible adversity, and you've seen a lot of adversity in a very short time that we've known each other, I'm able to stay very highly motivated because I, I'm, regardless of what is happening in the moment, I don't lose sight of, you know, of that. I don't lose sight of the purpose of why I'm here. Like our business purpose is to help business owners succeed, but my personal purpose is to help people. And I just love to help people. And I know every day I'm coming in, I'm helping the team, I'm helping our clients, I'm helping our community. Uh, so I have so many reasons to be motivated. I just don't really experience uh, a lack of motivation. Do you, do you feel like it's because you've created so much momentum? Like yes, absolutely. Motivation is a momentum. Um, but any neurology is a momentum, you know, when you, when you look at any behavior, it takes a, a certain amount of time before we get a level of momentum before it becomes effortless, you know, and effortless behavior is really nothing more than habits that have become automatic and habits that have become automatic are nothing more than routines that we've practiced on a regular basis consistently over extended periods of time. So it becomes rote, it becomes programmatic, it becomes habitual. Uh, and so I think for most people, they look at, uh, they look at you know, motivation like they look at business, like they look at health, like they look at it as a circumstance, they look at it as a, an event, as a pill, as a, as a workshop, rather than going, well, how do I make this a way of life? You know, how do I actually develop my life so that I am actually motivated at a very high level all the time or that my relationship is you know, performing at a high level all the time or my business is you know, on a consistent stage, or a consistent sustainable st stage of growth and, and expansion. The second part of that question was high anxiety. Look, I used to suffer debilitating, you know, we've talked about this many times. I used to suffer from debilitating anxiety. Uh, like I'm talking the kind of anxiety that literally stops you in your tracks and, you know, deer in the headlights. Um, and for the longest time, I just thought that was normal. I thought that's how everybody was. But it wasn't until I started to, you know, get into certain social situations where I realized that, you know, I, you know, the thing that I used to look at when I was, and, I, and I've only been reflecting about this in the last few months, is I used to, I remember as a kid actually looking at other people around me and going, why do they look so relaxed? Because internally, I'm like, I was doing donuts. And I used to look around at kids, you know, at school and I'd go, man, why does everyone look so relaxed? Why do I feel like I'm the only wound up spring in this room? And it's for real, like I used to really look at other people and go, man, why do they look so relaxed? And so for me, again, and I'm going to kind of also, you know, draw on some of the motivation response as well. Uh, I've learned a process of dealing with anxiety that is, you know, that is, that is therapeutic, um, but also very natural. So I don't rely on any medication, uh, which is fantastic. But I use, you know, I use a lot of breathing processes and just a lot of neutralizing, psych neutralizing psychology. And what I mean by that, like breath is most important because anxiety is nothing more than a buildup of energy in the body and, or an, an over, an, you know, an, an over buildup, if that is such a word. So it's important that we keep breathing so that the energy flows and doesn't get trapped in any organs. But the second thing is really looking at what's making us anxious and then neutralizing it. And then by neutralizing it, we look at, okay, what, what, obviously whatever's making us anxious is we're either afraid, we're scared, or we're, you know, we're fearful, which is essentially the same thing. Uh, and the way that we balance our anxiety is by going, okay, so what's the benefit of this? How is this serving me? What does this give me that I didn't have before? And what lessons am I going to take from this that will allow me to be better at what I'm going to do moving forward? And you know, that's you know, what we refer to as hindsight. And hindsight is something that's often brought in years 
or months down the track or if we're lucky weeks down the track but for me especially in high anxiety situations I'm always trying to neutralize the anxiety by asking those questions so that I can really get my perspective back because the challenge if we don't regulate and we don't neutralize our anxieties it becomes a stress okay and then we're more susceptible to emotion this is only going to become this symbiotic loop where we're highly emotional so we're highly stressed and emotion gets triggered like anger and then we're completely fucking useless. You know, we become, you know, abusive, neglective, like, you know, we don't demonstrate, we don't perform who we are, and especially to our team, we don't give the greatest example of how to lead a team in those situations. So it's incredibly important as a leader for you to be able to neutralize those emotions and neutralize that anxiety in a healthy way so that not only you can actually maintain a level of communication that keeps your team enrolled, uh, but also moving forward. Because the challenge that we have, if we are high anxiety, we are high emotional, and we start lashing out at our team, you know, humans instinctively don't trust emotionally unstable individuals. They might not tell you to your face, but I can tell you fucking right now, primarily, we're mammals, and mammals instinctively don't trust animals that are emotionally unstable because they can behave in predictable, unpredictable ways. And <laughs> everyone just got a bit of a jump. They can behave in unpredictable ways, and so they are considered, you know, a threat. Dogs display this, uh, horses display this, and humans display this. Now we're just a little bit more socially uh, uh, adept at you know, communicating that. So it's really important as a leader, if you want to enroll your team to move with you ongoing, is you have to be able to demonstrate that level of, of, of stability, that calm, assertive stability that people want to be led by, because people want to be led by someone that has more stability than them. If you look at the, the, the leaders in all, you know, whether it be horses, humans, or fucking dogs, the leaders of the packs, the leaders of the, the herd, the leaders of humans are the ones that in most cases, not all, demonstrate a level of stability and a level of purpose that people want to follow. And they feel safe, you know, when they're following them. But, but if you're around someone that's firing off all the time, you are not going to feel safe, you're not going to feel certain, and you yourself will start to develop anxiety as a result of the emotions that are being demonstrated from the leader. So it's really important you learn how to regulate that shit and neutralize it because it's, it's, uh, you know, it is there to serve you. It is going to make you stronger as long as you can balance your perspective so that you can move forward rather than keep repeating the process. Just Take your boobs off. Put it, put it over there. Yep. Leah Nelson on Facebook says, Hey Kerwin, I'm an entrepreneur. However, I share some symptoms of ADHD. How did you master your attention span to get maximum output, even though you're diagnosed with ADHD? Um, look, I think, first of all, we've got to stop looking at ADHD as, as a deficit, and we've got to start looking at it as a benefit. Like, ADHD really is an upgrade that most people don't understand is, in, most, in many cases, um, gives you an unfair advantage, especially as an entrepreneur. Like, I, like, there's a great guy called Peter Shankman. I think it's Shankman. He's got this blog and this book, I think, called um, Faster Than Normal. I think it's called Faster Than Normal. We'll, we'll put it up here because he's got some really good stuff. Um, and, you know, one of the things I've learned about ADHD is it gives me an untapped amount of energy but I focus on multiple projects at any one time. But it also means that I have a hypersensitivity to boredom. So ADHD doesn't mean that you can't concentrate for extended periods of time. ADHD in most cases means that you have trouble focusing on things that you're not interested in. Okay? Because some people at school, like they can focus on things that are not interesting because they've been told they have to do it. At school I couldn't do that. So you know sit down here and do your time sale. I was like, fucking time what I'm dyslexia, numbers moving on the page. Oh fuck, what is it? Oh okay, look, I'll throw it that. And I was gone. So for me, you know, I learned, I didn't know until I left school that I had the capacity to learn because everything I was trying to learn up until that point I wasn't fucking interested in. You know, although what was interesting at school, martial arts, I could learn that, you know, right. When, uh, when I started learning how to weightlift and body, when I was bodybuilding and weightlifting in high school, learning about nutrition, um, you know, I, I, I built enormous amounts of knowledge, but I didn't recognize that as intelligence.
intelligence until once I'd left school. You know, the way I was classified or measured for intelligence at school was your ability to recite and remember the things that you're being taught. And I was fucking terrible at that stuff because I wasn't interested. So ADHD means that for me, that there's a hypersensitivity to boredom. You have the ability to move faster than normal, but it's important that you focus on things, projects and interests that are genuinely, you know, things that you're interested in. Um, you know, something that, that is important to you. And that in the world of entrepreneurialism can be a bit of a mixed bag because oftentimes we think, well, I'm interested in making money, you know, but I've, I've got ADHD, I'm interested in making money. We go out to try and make money by doing things that we think will make money. We may not be interested in the very thing that we're doing. And so as a result, it won't produce the outcome that we're looking for. And so we, we've got to reverse engineer it. We've got to stop looking at the money, you know, regardless of your ADHD or not. It's, you've got to stop looking at the money and start looking at what am I interested in? What do I love to do? And I know this sounds, it's fucking cliche, right? We talk about this all the time, but it really is the key to learning how to focus for extended periods of time, whether you've got ADHD or not. If you've got ADHD, it just means you can focus for extended periods of time, okay, on the things you're interested in, but you can work faster, okay, because you're upgraded. You know, if you don't have ADHD, you can still focus on things for extended periods of time if you're interested in it, but you just won't work as fast as what we can because we're upgraded. So don't feel bad. Mm -hmm. I want to be really successful, but I don't have ADHD. Hey, listen, I'm sure if we spoke for a bit longer, I could identify another disability that'll be in your favor. Yeah, this is true. So yeah, I think ADHD is, is a great blessing. Learning how to management is really, is really just a process of learning how to identify the things that you're interested in and good at, and then having the discipline and the structure to just maintain that. But I can hear it now. Oh, but Kerwin, I have to do everything myself. Welcome to fucking business. So did I at some point. And that gives you the inertia and the motivation to build the business up fast enough to produce the revenue that's required so that you can start delegating things that you're not interested in. Shut that down. I have crystal balls. Michelle Medeiros on YouTube says, Hey Kerwin, what would you do if you were feeling completely lost about your path? Ooh, I know exactly what I'd do because I've been there many times. Uh, what, what would I do? Now this is going to be a little bit strange because um, I've been lost many times, you know, and I think being lost is oftentimes what is required in order to find yourself. And we can't find ourselves until we've been lost. Um, but the first couple of times that I was really lost, because I've probably been lost like three times in my life where I was like soul searching, like, fuck, what am I here for? What am I, what am I going to do? Um, even after I found my purpose, I'd still had a couple of times where I was like lost because I knew what I was here to do, but I didn't know exactly how I was going to do it. So. The things that I used to do when I was feeling lost is I used to keep myself busy. I could keep myself active because I think, well, in order to be, you know, uh, a worthwhile human being, I have to be productive. And what I discovered was I would then fall into doing whatever the next thing was that would take me on the next part of the journey. Um, but what I what I discovered was I was falling into the next thing. I wasn't. It wasn't being chosen consciously, you know, and deliberately from a higher perspective of of peace and contentment. It was like I have to be doing something. I'll do this. I'll do the spider. Oh, fuck. I just broke the spider. Oh. Uh, Wait, what? Are you mm. oh, it's no, actually quite nice. So the first couple of times I got lost, I just was looking. I was like, I have to be doing something. I have to be doing something. I have to be making money. I have to be doing something. I have to be building businesses. I have to be, have to, I have to be doing something. Doing. I had to be a human doing not a human being. And what I discovered was I fall into the next thing and the next thing would be very successful, but it would always end up me falling into the next thing. And then whether it be months or years later, I'd end up in exactly the same place where I was I'd have a lot of money, but I was unfulfilled, you know? And um, it wasn't until I read a book uh, by a guy called David Dieter called uh, The Way of the Superior Man. Bing. I love the chapters. Most of the chapters are like two pages. It's perfect <laughs> for the, the, the world of ADHD. Um, but what I really loved is there was, a, there was a statement in there that says, when you don't know what to do, the best thing to do is to do nothing. Because if you're doing nothing, then when the real something comes along, you'll be conscious enough to recognize it. 
And that was profound for me. Like that was big shit. Like that was uh, it was really profound because up until that point, I thought in order to you know you had to go constantly search, and there is an element of searching. But I was at that point where I was lost, didn't know what to do. So I literally took two years off and I did nothing. And what came to me at the end of two years was what I'm doing now. And if I hadn't have taken that time out, you know, to really, you know, just be present and be a human being. Like I literally for two years was just being. I'd wake up every morning. Imagine this, I woke up every day for fucking two years and I had nowhere to be. And up until that point in my life, I didn't even, like all through school, like I'd never even taken, I'd always been doing like my whole life. I've just always been doing like even when I was at school, I was, you know, I was a competitive athlete, competitive weightlifter, powerlifter, bodybuilder. You know, I didn't have days off. I didn't go to parties. You know, I didn't, didn't do school this week. I didn't have gap year. I just worked, 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 worked. And then it wasn't until the age, I was like 32 or something. I think it was 32, uh, somewhere in my 30, early 30s. Uh, yeah, I just did nothing for two years and it was fucking amazing. I don't know if I could go back and do nothing now because I think the point of doing nothing was to find what I'm doing. Uh, because I did get very bored towards the end. Towards the end. Truth be known, I, was, I think retirement is, is a recipe for you know, early, early, early death, um, early physical retirement. So for me, it was, yeah, it was a really just a process of discovery. Would you recommend to other people to like stop doing or is that, was that just your case? Look, it was my situation. Everyone's different because I know I'm going to hear people going, well, I can't stop doing, I have to pay the bills. And, look, and dude, I get that. I was in a fortunate position at that point where I'd, you know, I'd sold a business and I had a bit of money to be able to just do nothing for that period of time. So I, it's going to sound, well, well, it was easy for you, Kerwin. Well, fuck, you know, what wasn't easy for me was the, you know, the 20 odd years that I fucking drove really hard to put myself in that position to do that. But I, I would do it again, even if I had no money, even if I went back and I had, you know, if I lost everything right now and I wasn't sure what to do, I would just literally bum around and do nothing until it came to me. And by bumming around, you know, I would go where I felt drawn. You know, I wouldn't just sit, you know, sit there and do nothing. I'd actually just, you know, go where I felt I needed to be. Hey everybody, that was episode nine. Nine of the Hey Cohen Show, and uh, the nine, the, uh, the word, the, the word nine. The word nine. The word nine is actually a really good it's word. In, in German, means no. Does it really? Um, nine. For any of you guys who have questions, hashtag Hey Cohen to Matthias. To me. Matthias, hashtag Hey Cohen. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Let us know. Message, anything. Sign writing, not sign writing. What do you call it? Sign language. No. In the sky. The sky. Skywriting even. Hashtag Ooh. Hey Cohen. Oh, that would be a special bye. episode. Till next time. Bye bye now. Say hi to your mum for me. <laughs>